the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets with your co-hosts, the Finance Coast and Mohamed Nalla. Together, we have more than 25 years of combined experience in the markets. For those looking to take their market and business knowledge to the next level, we offer Magic Markets Premium, a research reports and podcast library that nearly has 100 reports in it and a new one every week, all available for just 99 Rand a month. Recent reports have included the likes of Kroger, Deer & Co, Foot Locker, McDonald's, UPS, Apple, Meta, Johnson & Johnson & Swatch. With broad variety and deep research, this is perfect for anyone looking to go to the next level. We invite you to join us in Magic Markets Premium. Go to magic-markets.com to subscribe. This episode of Magic Markets is brought to you by B2IT. Have you heard of Robotic Process Automation or RPA? It taps into the incredible potential of artificial intelligence to effortlessly handle those never-ending, monotonous tasks. Or as B2IT put it, they make robots so people don't have to be robots. Visit b2it.co.za to kickstart your business automation journey. We thank B2IT for their support of Magic Markets. Welcome to episode 146 of Magic Markets. As you've noticed lately, brought to you by B2IT, which means we get to do fun things that we enjoy, like going away and researching stocks and bringing those insights to you. And Mo, before we jump into it this week, I actually just want to let our listeners know that because we've now covered 100, well, we've done 100 reports in Magic Markets Premium, not quite 100 companies, because we do do some recaps as well. But there's now 100 reports and podcasts in there. And so we're running a bit of a promotion for October where you can get 100 bucks off an annual subscription. So that'll make it 899 Rand, which is 75 Rand a month, which these days is barely enough to buy five chappies. Uh, To use my parents' old example of chappies, everyone's parents uses the examples of chappies, you know, and how many they used to be able to buy. And if you want to take advantage of that, you just need to use the coupon MAGIC100EPS when you check out for a Magic Markets Premium Annual Membership. So a whole year for 899 bucks with 100 reports and a new one every week. Mo, I think we are doing our bit to fight uh, inflation, aren't we? Absolutely. It's got a nice ring to it, right? It's uh, it's 100 Rand off for 100 reports. And again, if you subscribe, you actually get access to that full library. So yes, some of them are slightly older. There are some recaps in there, but it's really become what I would describe as a, a treasure trove of research, deep research, fundamental, as well as top-down research on global stocks. And again, you have access to that full library. But Ghost, it also ties into what we're doing here on our free show as well, because we've changed the flavor. We're keeping it at around a 20-minute mark, but we look at companies that we may have covered in Magic Markets Premium, as well as other stocks that might be related, and just, I guess, tying the entire flavor of Magic Markets together. So on that particular point, I'm going to indicate that the stock I'm looking at this week was one that actually came out with results last week. It is a company that we covered almost exactly a year ago, and that's a company called McCormick. Now, that might not be a name that's familiar to you as a South African, but in the global sense, I'm going to jump right in, Ghost, because I think you're going to discuss South African food stocks, ties very much into that story. I'm going to jump into McCormick just in terms of some of the background, because I know some listeners out there might not be familiar with the business, with the brands. This is a company that holds roughly 20% market share in the spices and seasoning market 
up here in North America. They also have some very interesting sauces. So for example, ketchup or tomato sauce, as you'd call it in South Africa, they have one of the biggest competitors to Heinz, which is owned by Kraft Heinz. They have French's and they manufacture ketchup. They manufacture mustard sauces, a whole range of stuff out there. They've got Frank's hot sauce, you know, a whole bunch of very strong brands specifically in the North American market. Now, as I indicated, that's a stock that we covered in and around October last year. And I'm going to go through maybe my top three points, but goes maybe give us an indication on you know what are you looking at from the South African side? Yeah, so we might be doing our best about inflation in Magic Markets Premium, but the same is definitely not true in the food industry. I mean, Mo, you haven't lived here for a while. I'll give you an excellent example is, you know, every time my nanny slash domestic helper, you know, spends a day here, I always get her bread and baked beans. Like that's just our deal. Those baked beans have gone up from, 10 bucks. I distinctly recall this a couple of years ago. They're now 18 rand. It's 80% inflation in the space of a couple of years in a most, the most staple food you can imagine. It's like that everywhere. So I'm covering just South African food in general. There are a bunch of businesses in that space. They pretty much have all done badly. So I'm kind of giving a more, more of an overview rather than digging into one specifically. And I'm quite looking forward to hearing how McCormick has been doing because, yeah, I enjoyed covering the, the company when we actually did it the first time. So I'll leave it to you. I guess you're going into the technicals first, huh? That's your vibe. It's, it's just, you see, now now that you make me seem so predictable, I'm going to have to just upset that Apple card for you. <laughs> let's, let's unpack it. How has McCormick done? Now, maybe just a little bit of a rewind. When we covered the stock around a year ago, we were concerned around a couple of the fundamental aspects. You know, their gross margins at the time were already under pressure. We also had some concerns around their balance sheet. Uh, yes, technicals, when we looked at it, it had a double top that looked like it wanted to play out. And again, for those of you not familiar with technicals, a double top's usually quite a bearish, it's quite a bearish signal. You know, it's the stock's runs, it actually finds some resistance, and it just can't break through that and starts to correct lower. Now, I want to stress a point. The double top didn't actually play out immediately but it looks as though it's actually coming into play right now. It got quite messy around the neckline. It broke it, it broke back above, but recently, specifically on the most recent results, sometimes the fundamental story is the catalyst for a technical chart to play out and we'll unpack some of that. Now, a last point I just wanna raise on this is a year ago, we landed on a synopsis to say that we would choose another food-related company over this. And that was a stock that we had covered, PepsiCo. We'd said we would actually choose PepsiCo over the likes of McCormick for a variety of reasons. So I want to almost draw that comparison because how has PepsiCo done over the course of the last year? Well, it's down around 1%. From around October last year to now, it's down around 1%. Remember, this is a primo global food giant. McCormick? down 16%. So that actually tells you that it was the right call on a relative trade basis, but also the fact that if a super company like PepsiCo can also just really trundle along marginally down over that time period, that it's been a really tough time because I think we've discussed this, you know, a big company, big strong brands like PepsiCo, you can push through some pricing increases. I, I know Ghost, you're very fond of your Doritos. You're not gonna stop buying your Doritos if they push the price up. Last point on this is that it hasn't been one-way traffic on McCormick. Yes, it's down around 16% from where it was last year this time. But over that time period, it's really traded in quite a wide range. I think we covered it around $75 a share. 
it then actually rallied. It rallied to around $90. It found some resistance there again. Now remember, from 75 to 90, that's actually quite a move. So if you're an active trader, maybe you could have made some money on this. But right now, as we're talking, the stock down at around $63 a share. And there's a solid reason for that, but I'm gonna get into some of that reason as my next talking point. I do love my Doritos, specifically the blue ones. In fact, Mo, I love them so much that I know exactly how many kilojoules they have per serving, and then I use that. I have like this oscillator where I, you know, that's like my baseline for when I look at other naughty things I could be eating. You have technical indicators on your calorie count. That's and hilarious. I'm like, how bad is this with reference to my beloved Doritos? And it needs to be extremely delicious to justify, you know, that level of, of kilojoule intake. So, you know, blue Doritos, such is my love for them. And anyway, moving right on from that, the unhealthy to the healthy, at least to eat, maybe not to make money from. So here's my first fun fact about South African food producers. Basically, none of them have chicken or poultry in their names, and that is not by accident. Rainbow Chicken, that rebranded to RCL some years ago, Astral Foods, not Astral Chicken, Quantum Foods, not Quantum Eggs or Quantum Chicken or Quantum Anything, you know, they just say foods and not chicken. And that's because the margins in chicken are ridiculously low and very, very volatile. This is a perfect example of the law of small numbers. When you are making a net profit margin of 2%, a move of 50 basis points somewhere further up the income statement means your profits move by 25%. It's insane. Now, the problem is that there just is not enough space in that income statement for any mistakes, let alone macroeconomic disasters. Load shedding, that's a huge problem. Uh, it, obviously, these companies are investing in renewables. They have diesel costs as well to keep production going. And the economics of the chicken industry are so specific that chickens need to be slaughtered at a very specific age to actually be economical. So if you've got load shedding and your slaughtering is running behind schedule, you have a whole lot of chickens sitting there eating who, you know, sadly should not be eating anymore. They should in fact be well on their way to Woolworths. And therefore your margins are heading firmly in the wrong direction. Then you take into account a disaster like avian flu and the huge cost of culling these birds and the economics just collapse completely. So I see these very much as trading stocks rather than investing stocks. Right now, pretty much every chicken business in South Africa is actually losing money because of load shedding, consumer demand, pricing pressure, and of course, avian flu. So not nice at all. Yeah, that avian flu story is absolutely devastating. I mean, I, I could wax lyrical about not putting all your eggs in the same basket or not counting your chickens before they hatch kind of thing. Uh, that being said, I've used every every chicken pun that exists. I promise you, there's not <laughs> one you're going to come up with here. I've, I've got nothing. I've got nothing on you. But I mean, it's it's interesting because it it leads into my next point because you've mentioned how thin the margins are in some of those food businesses down in South Africa, maybe specifically in the poultry and the chicken space. Let's go back to McCormick because they put out a third quarter results recently, and that was what catalyzed the move lower in the share. So let's unpack some of that. First and foremost, let's look at the top line. Revenue, that was actually up around 6% compared to last year. Not a bad result, but certainly not stellar. But the real pressure came through in terms of the earnings per share, and that was because they were pressured by margins. The point you had mentioned, margins. Now, margins a little bit healthier in McCormick as compared to some of the examples you had given us. Their profit margin around 10% but that is down from 14%. So a massive, massive swing, 14 down to 10%. That really eats into, I guess, the share price performance and led net income down 24% from last year, this time, the same quarter. So that was the reason why the market really smacked the stock significantly. 
Now, the decrease in margin was driven by higher expenses. Revenue was actually in line with analyst estimates. And I think that margin story catching the market on the wrong footing. The outlook going forward, it's expected to grow at around 3.6%, certainly not exciting, maybe marginally ahead of expectations for the food industry as a whole in the US, which is expected to grow at just under 3%. So the market is still expecting McCormick to outperform its industry, but guess what? The industry outlook not looking fantastic. It's very sluggish, specifically considering what inflation has been running at. And I wanna just highlight one last point on this, is the fact that the ability for a business to pass through those pricing increases might actually be a little bit less in the spices and in the product categories that these guys are playing in versus some of their competitors. And I think that might actually account for some of the divergence in performance between a company like McCormick versus a player like PepsiCo that we've already used as an example. So my second point uh, in the South African food world is now that I've dealt with the challenges of chicken, Mo, and uh, being focused on one food commodity, I'm going to move on to a diversified food group before you think I'm just picking on chicken as a soft target here. Now, as you would expect, obviously results are less volatile when you have a more diversified business. I mean, clearly, whether you are geographic or commodity, and I think in a lot of the US companies, you see that kind of geographical diversification. In the South African food producers, you don't. They are typically very SA focused. Uh, it's a bit like the mining industry, actually. You know, if you buy BHP or Glencore, you're getting a whole bunch of commodities. If you buy a junior mining business that specifically does platinum, then you're going to get a wild ride. And of course, a steady profit performance doesn't necessarily mean a good share price performance or even a steady share price performance because it all depends how that valuation multiple has moved over time. So the example I want to touch on is AVI and that share price is down around a quarter in the last five years. So that's not good, obviously. There's been a structural re-rating. This is an institutional favorite, or at least it was. And uh, it was on a divvy yield of 35 to 4.5% from 2015 till 2018. You know, then we had the Zoomer years, and then we had the Zoom years in the pandemic, not to confuse the two. And the combined effect is that uh, this business has now been trading on a three-year average yield of 6%, and it's on a current yield of 6.5%. So that's a big re-rating in the dividend yield. So essentially what's happened is the total return has been basically non-existent because the dividend has pretty much offset the share price and even then not really. Uh, and I remember writing about AVI as a company review in my early days of writing for the Financial Mail and Investors Monthly. And I questioned the valuation and I had quite a lot of criticism for that. You know, how can you question AVI as an investment? It's a market darling. It's got such a dependable dividend with some inflation protection. A dependable dividend means almost nothing. All it means is that you get a 5% dividend while the share price goes backwards 5%. And I'm sorry, but that clearly is not very exciting. So I think the lesson from AVI is, you know, if you look at a chart versus the chicken businesses, yes, it's less volatile. That doesn't mean it's good. And good businesses can be bad investments. And that's before we even translate it to dollars. And it all comes down to the amount of growth being delivered versus what you are paying for. If something was on a divvy yield of, you know, three and a half, four percent, the market is expecting growth. And if the growth is not happening, well, it's going to get ugly. Indeed, you, you've touched on so many key points and I want to kind of unpack a lot of those, but I'm, I'm kind of on my last point on this particular stock. So let's jump from some of those. I'll touch on those key points for McCormick. I want to go back because you mentioned geographical diversification. And that's really, I guess, some of the stories is why was the margin actually impacted on McCormick? So Let's unpack it a little bit because I know you like this level of detail, Ghost. 
Now, we, we discussed a 6% growth in terms of the top line. But when we look at that, what was actually driving that? Well, first of all, we always talk about price and volume mix. It was an 8% contribution from pricing. They pushed through price. They really did try. But they had a decline in volumes, a 2% decline in volumes. And that's how you kind of come through with a 6%, again, constant currency top line performance. Now, geographically, and going to that point, wait for it, the Asia-Pacific region in the third quarter responsible for a 16% drop in sales. That was absolutely massive. So that hurt them a lot. And this shows you how sometimes your geographical diversification can work for you. I know when that's used as justification for a growth multiple on a stock, you know, China exposure. Well, guess what? China was running a lot slower than the market had anticipated and certainly a heck of a lot slower for McCormick. So that largely behind the big disappointment when it came to a geographical breakdown for McCormick. If we look at the Americas, you know, there we saw a 2% increase, again, showing you the massive divergence in a mature market, you know, a, only a 2% increase coming through in terms of the Americas as a whole. And again, the mix there, 4% from price, 2% volume decline. So remember, the price card is one you can only pull once off, arguably. And then once that's done, you've got to start looking at what is actual consumer demand looking like. Lastly, EMEA, that's the region that I guess South Africa, Middle East would fall into that, right? EMEA, that saw a 10% sales increase, which was 13% from pricing, but again, 3% volume decline. So that volume story is really quite concerning. It contributes to a much more muted outlook for the stock. And let me wrap all of that up because you made a reference to a dividend yield. What does that look like? We know our listeners like to know that on McCormick, it's got around a 2.5% dividend yield. Not exciting. Yes, it's sustainable. It's got about a 60% payout ratio, but on a technical basis, it's broken below that 200-week moving average. So technically, it's in a bear trend. And I certainly would avoid this company because it's now entered into a bear trend officially. Cheap stocks can get cheaper. And I think, you know, yes, it's a great company. They've got some great brands, but there may be better places to put your money. Yeah, I think that's right, man. I've got to say, it's even worse if you look in the South African sector. So I would have loved to have ended this off with happy news. You know, I did chicken and then I did how AVI re-rated and I looked and I scratched like a chicken and I just did not find any happy news. So if you have any for me in the local food sector, I'd love to hear it because they've pretty much all been slaughtered. And this is why I'm bearish on the sector in general in South Africa. And for me, if you really take a step back Obviously, you've got the classical sort of macroeconomic problems, low growth. We know all those issues. But there's another nuance to this. And for me, it comes down to where the power actually sits in the value chain and where the costs get pushed through. Retailers hold the key to consumers. There is no direct-to-consumer strategy for a food producer. It doesn't exist. Forever, consumers are going to go and do their shopping in one place and fill their basket. And actually, we covered Kroger a while ago on Magic Markets Premium, and they basically invented the supermarket as we know it today. So that's just the reality. Even I will not order Doritos online. So, you know, the problem is with on-demand, you now don't even, and by that I mean like Checker 6060 or Pick and Pay ASAP or Willie's Dash and take your pick. Uh, you know, even Spa has one that I don't know a single person who has used. The thing is that you're not doing your shopping on your smartphone screen. You're not even walking around looking at the shelf and being tempted by those shiny brands. You're basically opening your phone, searching for a very specific product that you might want, you know, Doritos, sure. But you might also just be searching, hey, I want chips, you know, or you might go to a category like the Bry or the party. Guess what? They're going to show you the chips that they want to show you. 
So what are they going to show you? Private label, definitely, because the retailer gets the best margin on that stuff. And or whichever food producer is giving them the best supplier kickbacks. That's the reality. And if you think any different, it's because you don't really understand retail. And the other problem is that private label stuff is also now really good because food manufacturers are producing the private label products. They've actually created their own competition, but they had no choice because the big retailers are putting that pressure. There are very few brands that are genuinely irreplaceable for consumers. And here's the real kicker. Most of them are international. No one is ever going to convince me that Koo Baked Beans does not have a substitute product. I know it does because I buy the substitute. It's two rand less per tin. You know, why not save money when you can? It's so obvious. The stuff tastes exactly the same. Coca-Cola, that's different. Margaritos, yes, that's different. So that's the big brands, PepsiCo, etc. You just don't find those on the JSC. You really don't. I mean, the one exception, which just proves the point about PepsiCo, is stuff like Snackworks, which is in AVI. And this is things like, you know, biscuits. And again, when it's something naughty, I think consumers have their, their favorites. You know, you want your fix. When it's something more generic, private label works just fine. So structurally, I am more bullish on local grocery retail, which says a lot because I'm not bullish on local grocery retail, but I would still prefer it to local food producers who are just at the wrong point in the value chain. Yeah, Ghost, it's a great point. You, I mean, you mentioned AVI, you mentioned Baker's Biscuits. You know, your weakness might be Doritos. I've, I've got two young daughters who absolutely love their South African biscuits. I mean, literally, whenever someone's visiting down there, coming back up here, they ask them for a couple of boxes of biscuits that, you know, find their way up into Canada. But again, it's a tough market, right? I mean, those margins being eroded. Uh, so yeah, what do you think? As our listeners, you know, that's where we're going to leave it this week. Again, just another reminder, if you have not used that coupon, go and check out that coupon, celebrating our 100 episodes in Magic Markets Premium for an annual subscription. It's the best value you can actually get we just touch we're tipping the iceberg here in terms of the level of detail that you're seeing in the free show versus the magic markets premium show where there's a lot more detail on specific global stocks on a weekly basis so we hope you've enjoyed it this week let us know hit us up on social media it's at magic markets pod one word it's at finance ghost and at muhammad nala or go and find us on linkedin follow us on linkedin as well we hope you've enjoyed this and until next week same time same place thanks and cheers we thank our sponsor, B2IT, for making this show possible. B2IT is all about making life easier, one robot at a time. If you hate it, automate it. Visit b2it.co.za to kickstart your business automation journey. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor.